Welcome to the Friday Night Clive podcast with me, Clive Payne. In this podcast, we look back at the amazing charities, organisations and people we have chatted to over the past few months, all of whom have interesting and important stories to tell. Now, a report by Teach First has indicated that almost half of teachers plan to leave the profession in the next five years. Yet in the West Midlands, it's a different story with almost a quarter surveyed are considering leaving their current role to work as a teacher. One person who did just that is Jade Smedley-Boff, who left her job at the NHS and became a teacher. And Jade joins me on the line now. Good evening, Jade. Hi, yeah, good evening. Thank you for joining me. Now, tell me about your role, Jade, in the NHS first. What were you doing? Yeah, so I started in the NHS as um, a junior admin worker. Then I was a receptionist for a few years, and then I um, trained as a healthcare assistant, and I was a higher-level healthcare assistant for just over three years. Right, and then it's at that point that you decided to become to, to, to leave and train and become a teacher. Yeah, I'd been I'd been doing the healthcare for a while and was sort of at a bit of a crossroads as to whether to go on to be a nurse mm. or whether to stay where I was. And I decided that I didn't actually want to do either. Um, I wanted something totally new and decided to go on to the Teach First training programme, trying to be a teacher. So did you actually wake up one morning and think, right, today's the day I'm going to change my career? Or was this something that, that was snowballing over a period of time? Because it, it, it's quite a leap of faith and quite a leap per se to go from the NHS into the teaching profession. Yeah, it's a very big leap of faith. <laughs> incredibly different. Um, no, for many years prior, I'd had a lot of involvement with um, a local youth drama group. Um, and actually directed for them. And when I was at that sort of crossroads of what do I do now, um, I realised that sort of the, the most joy that I, I had in a week when I was doing things obviously outside of outside of the home and outside of my social life was was actually running drama group. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there was a lot more joy there than what I found in my actual day to day in my job. Um, and there's not that many differences between what I was doing there and, and, and actually teaching. No, that's right. And I think as well, you, you know, you work for two thirds of your life. You've got to, yes, I know we go to work to earn money to live and ever more so now is that important with, with the cost of living increasing. But equally, you still have to have some personal rewards out of your job because you do it for two thirds of your life. And if you don't get that, quite frankly, it's not worth doing, is it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the NHS is an incredibly rewarding job in its own right. But there's there's not much joy there. There's not much, you know, there's no room for, like, creativity or expression or, or fun, really, mm. um, in the NHS. And that's what I was finding that I love so much about running the drama group. It, it was fun. You know, every, every week was different. Um, and that's what you find more so in a school. It's, sure. it's far less repetitive so, what, um, so what, steps, what steps did you take then? So you decided to retrain to be a teacher. Um, how, yeah. t- talk me through that journey, how that happened. So um, at the time, I was, I was sort of already living with my husband. You know, I was working full time. I wasn't straight out of university. Mm-hmm. So my choices had to be different. The route that I had to look at was different. And I came across Teach First and was reading about how it was a charity and, you know, they're working particularly disadvantaged areas, disadvantaged schools. Now, the area that I'm from falls in a disadvantaged postcode. Um, and I saw that the route was not so much accelerated, but I was able to work, mm-hmm. you know, really, really quite quickly. And, and looking into the, the company and the mission and the way that they do it, 
I was like, you know what, I think this is for me. I don't want to go back to university and, and, and do a year. You know, I'd, I'd rather go straight into a job where I'm doing the job because that's what I'd already done in the NHS. Sure. Um, so I came across Teach First, applied, um, and then got the interview down in London and got on to the course. And how long was that course running for? Uh, so with Teach First, um, it's... It was when when I did it, it changed ever so slightly now because the new career teacher frameworks changed. But it was um, a, a two year course, and after that two years, you had two years experience in a school, so you were working full time. Um, you had a PGDE, and you had a leadership development qualification. Cause it's a leadership development program. Um, it's it's still a two year course, but the actual the, the part afterwards is slightly different now. That's that's out of teach first hands, but. Mm. Yeah, in in the space of two years, you know, you literally have career changed into fully being able to function at the role because you've worked on the job. Sure. So, uh, and I guess yeah. you were able to take some transferable skills from the NHS, clearly from from running the drama group, obviously. But there will be some skills, surely, that you would have taken from the NHS and then taken those towards your teaching. What were they? Absolutely. Um, you know, both careers need you to care that the people who you are with and who you are dealing with need you to care about them. Um, obviously, in the NHS, that's for different reasons. That's because they're, they're, they're poorly or they're ill um, or something's been investigated. Whereas in school, you know, the kids, the kids need to know that you care and not just about their GCSE outcome and, you know, about the numbers on the sheet, but that you care about them um, because that's the, you know, that's the foundation of, of kids not always wanting to perform for themselves. Sometimes they want to make the teachers proud sure. um, as well. And a lot of that's very, very similar. And, you know, you have to listen a lot in the NHS and you have to do that as a teacher as well. Yeah, um, so there are, there you know, are teenagers some similarities. Teenagers have the same needs as adults. Yes. Yeah, there are a lot. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the empathy and the compassion. I so think. so those are the skills that came from the NHS. There were clearly skills from, from running the drama group as well. What other things were you able to bring to the table from other areas of your life? Um, I'm a drama graduate, so my um, degree is in drama and theatre. I've been doing that since I was nine. Um, so, you know, for that reason, I'm, I'm quite a confident speaker. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm quite outgoing and creative. And, you know, that's that's massive as a teacher. Um, and just being able to build relationships, you know, quite quite quickly. You've got 30 kids in front of you who, you know, need to be able to cooperate with you and you cooperate with them. Um, and that that falls heavily on being able to build relationships. Sure. Um, and you know that's that's something that as someone who is quite confident and has a drama background, you know you you get quite used to doing that. And, it, um, and, it, and it, to an extent, it's a bit of an act, really, because you're standing there, you may not feel at your best or you had a late night or something, but your job is to communicate and get those children to engage with you. Yes, you said cooperate, but they've got to engage, and that's no different from standing on a stage uh, and, and getting an audience to engage with you. No, absolutely not. Every lesson is a performance. Um, you know, you need to make something that, that some students in your classroom might not find in the least bit interesting, um, as interesting as possible. And, you know, as someone who's taught both English and performing arts, obviously performing arts, you show them, you know, your skills. But mm. every student has to take English. Every student in that school has to be engaged and has to want to learn. And, you know, part of that is, is making the lessons as enjoyable and as engaging as possible and that is a performance in itself yeah and as you say you have to be your best you have to be your best for the 30 children in front of you 
That's right. Now, when you made the transition from the NHS to teaching, did you have any idea that so many teachers were doing the reverse and leaving education? I had looked into it at the time, um, but also believed that I was absolutely doing the right thing. Um, but it didn't put you, know, you off, I was, clearly. Uh, no, I think a lot of the, um, you know, it is a challenging career and, and no teacher's going to deny that. No one will deny that. It is challenging. It comes with its own challenges. Um, but I think it just depends on the, the outlook that you have on that. Um, and, you know, it can be very, very time consuming, but it, it just depends what you want from your career, I think. And, you know, every day in, in teaching is different and, and every day the kids make you laugh. <laughs> and I think that's the big thing, you know, the NHS and teaching both have their own stresses, but the kids really make you laugh. Um, you know, you can you can be as miserable as sin when you go into school on Monday, and it's, it's not going to last. It's not going to last no, long at right. all. A, but I mean, we hear a, these... A kid will make you laugh. <laughs> we hear these stories about teachers working extremely long days and taking marking home, taking work home. Um, and, you know, not having time to themselves. And I think that's those are some of the factors that may have put teachers off in the past and, and contributed to them leaving the profession. How does that sit with you? And is there any, any reality in that? Or, or are you just sort of bouncing along with it quite nicely? I absolutely think it comes down to your school. Um, I think it comes down to where you work and who you work with um, and the culture that exists in that school mm-hmm. um, and I think it depends it depends very much I suppose on, on who's running the school as well and, and in what way um, and the school that I trained in and the school that I'm still in now um, you know we we don't promote that, that culture of, of working working every minute um, you know the, there is definitely an awareness that people have lives and have families and you know to deny that it does go on, you know, it, it does, but I think it depends very much on your school. Um, and it, it also depends on the person, you know, some people are quite happy to, to devote their lives to their careers. You know, that is their, their main goal, mm-hmm. their main aims. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, some people, it has to be that balance between your family and your social life and your, and your career. Sure. And I think um, a lot of teachers sometimes struggle to find that. Well, with the school that I, I myself haven't. Sure, I mean, with, with the school that you're at now, um, I'm not going to ask you to name the school, but how supportive are your colleagues and your head teaching staff? Very. Um, I'm very lucky um, to to work in the, the school that I do for the staff. You know, the, the staff are brilliant. They are entirely devoted to the kids, but they also have that awareness, like I just mentioned, that that people do have their own lives. Mm. You know, out of, out of work, people have other commitments and, and other priorities. And, you know, it, it's very much an environment that, that aims to be as aware of that as possible, you know, while still yeah. allowing people to perform at their best. Um, I work with some really brilliant staff. And it's all about really, that work-life really balance, stuff. as you've alluded to as well. Um, talk to me about your first teaching job. What was that like? Yeah, so um, with Teach First, you actually get allocated um, a school, mm-hmm. so I I got allocated one quite close to home because, like I say, you know I'm married. I already lived with my husband, um, so I started there as an English teacher. Um, I trained as an English teacher, and 
Um, I'm still in the the same school now, although the leadership has changed there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll admit, the first few weeks are quite terrifying. <laughs> um, <laughs> what were, you, what were your worst fears, though, in that in, what, in those first few weeks? I think it was like I don't know, a teenager bullying me, <laughs> <laughs> not knowing what to teach them, or you know, standing in front of them and suddenly just saying nothing. Um, but then Doctor Footlights but, takes over, doesn't he? That's the thing. <laughs> and, and you know, teenagers are not as scary as people think they are. You know, I hadn't been around teenagers since I was one, mm. um, other than the, the handful of drama groups that I've known, you know, since they were since they were much smaller. Mm. Um, and they're not as terrifying as people think they are, and you learn that very, very quickly. Um, but it's you know, all about how you engage with them. Savaging you. Mm. Absolutely. You know, they can read you like a book, teenagers can. Yeah, Their judgment can. is established in about 30 seconds. So it, it's, as to whether or not they're going to like you. It's teenagers you're teaching now, then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I teach secondary. And is it just secondary English you English do? Secondary form now. No, um, so I taught English for my first two years. Mm-hmm. Some of that was in the lockdown, uh, which was interesting. Um, and then I also taught performing arts in my second year. And in my third year, I became head of performing arts. Um, and now I'm an academic coach about English and performing arts. Gosh, you've done brilliantly well. And of course, performing <laughs> arts and English do do dovetail together very well. What would you say are your key challenges that you have on a day-to-day basis within the environment that you work? I think um, the, the most challenging thing for me is you have to juggle so much at times. Um, less so now because being an academic coach, I only have six or seven students at a time. But when you are teaching a full class, you have to juggle so many things that you have to be aware of. Um, You know, you have to be self-aware in how you're addressing the students. Are they learning? Are they getting what you're saying to them? You know, is that one ill? That one's got the hand up? That one needs the toilet? Um, Mm. You know, it's juggling all those things all at once and making sure that you are the best you can be for the students. Um, And, you know, they're they're not always going to behave. Teenagers don't do that. Um, and you know, making sure to address those things and not but not get caught up in them yeah. can can sometimes be quite challenging. Just juggling all those things really, and making sure you're doing them all well at the same time. Um, like I said, that's less so now because I, I have six or seven students at a time now. Yeah. So, tell me about what it is about being a teacher that you enjoy so much. We've looked at the challenges. Let's look at the um, the parts that you excel in and, and that you enjoy. I think just watching, you know, watching the students grow. Uh, I'm, at, I'm at a point now where the students that I had in a tutor group in year seven are about to go into year 11. You know, they, they came to the school as, as children and, you know, they're about to leave as adults. Um, and, you know, that's very heartwarming to know that you had a part in that journey. Mm. Um, you know, whether that was teaching them or being their tutor, you know, something's gone on and they come and tell you about it you know whatever impact you had you you had one and I think when you've got the positive relationships with the students that's really evident um you know that could be that one kid really succeeds on his GCSEs and and goes on to do brilliant things it could be that another student had a really difficult time at home and you just helped them make it to their GCSEs um and I think with a bit of like longevity when you see these kids day after day for a long time that can be very rewarding, watching them grow into the people mm. that you had a, a hand in, in helping them grow into. That's right. 
Tell me about the most daft or the most amusing thing that one of your students has come out with, because you were saying if you go into work feeling grotty, you can guarantee they'll make you smile. So you must have some stories. Just a couple of weeks ago, actually, we had um, a non-uniform day. Mm. for uh, It was for, like, a... Um, there was one for Ukraine and one for a safeguarding awareness day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I sat down and one of the kids came and shouted at me and went, Miss, you're deaf a vegan. <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> you, you, you're definitely a vegan. I was like, where have you got that from? He's like, you look like one, Miss. <laughs> you look like a vegan. Charmed, like I'm a sure. vegan who does yoga in your back garden. <laughs> oh, ironically, at the time, my husband was a butcher. Um, <laughs> definitely not a vegan. No, quite. Oh, they always say out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, don't they? Oh, they they really are funny. The older they get, the, the funnier they get as well. Um, yeah, they, they really are funny. There's another student who, whenever he wants to get my attention, he doesn't call me. Miss Medley Buff, he just shouts Jade, knowing that as soon as I hear my actual name, I'll turn around. And I'm like, every time he gets me, every time he gets my attention, because I presume he's a staff member. That's that's every pushing time. it a bit, isn't it? It should oh, be Miss. Oh, I know. I mean, luckily for him, he's in year 11, so he's not got long left. No, that's right. Um yeah, for anybody, they are very cheeky. For, for, for anybody listening who's thinking of having a change of career and going into the teaching profession, in your view, and based on what you've learned, not only through your coursework but through your vocation work, um, what would you say are the you know the reasonable qualities needed to be a good teacher? You have to be very patient. Um, you do. There are there are so many things that test you on a daily basis. You really do have to have the patience. Such at the same as it's it's usually low level behaviour issues. You know, you're not confronted with these huge ones very often. You know, it's the kid who's whistling at the back of the class or tapping, um, <laughs> clicking the pen lid every time you turn around. You know, it's those little things that can really test your patience. Um, I think more importantly than that, I do think it's genuinely caring about the kids mm. because they know, you know, they know the staff that really care about them and they gravitate to the staff. That, that really care about them and are genuinely interested in them. You know, some kids, we might be the only ones who ask them if they're okay, uh, ask them if they've had a nice day or, you know, if they had a nice weekend. It might be that no one else is asking. Um, and I think it's it's that being genuine, the kids know whether or not that is genuine. Mm. Um, and, I- you know, that you don't realise sometimes how important that relationship can be. And sometimes the the relationship with, with the class teacher is better than that at home. And, of course, some children come from disadvantaged backgrounds, but it's important that you get, you treat everybody equally, but as individuals. So, as you said, it's identifying the person who probably hasn't been asked if they're all right or anything like that. And, and that takes, I think, a great skill. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's we have students from, from all walks of life. Um, you know, we, we quite recently had... Um, a young uh, little boy in year seven who was a refugee, mm-hmm. you know, who, who came to the school not having been in England for two weeks. Um, you know, there's, there's so many different things that go on, but even just ask things, like if there's a student where English is their additional language, you know, say hello to them in, the, in their home language. And, you know, that's enough for that student to know that you know where they're from, mm-hmm. you, you care, um, you're interested. And, you know, as you say, sometimes teachers don't realise how important that relationship is because it doesn't exist anywhere else. You know, no one else is asking if they're okay. And for that child, did you say that child was seven years of age? 
Year seven. Oh, year seven, forgive me. So what age group is that? Yeah, no, it's okay. Um, 11 or 12. Right. But again, even at 11 or 12, that must be terribly frightening for them to come to a country they know nothing about and they will have come, they won't have had any choice in coming over. They would have come over with their family or or whoever and they come into a completely alien environment and meet children they don't know, hear languages they don't know, meet children from other different cultures, different religious backgrounds. And that, that, I would imagine, is quite scary. Yeah, and bless him, the, the little boy we was, he's, the, the language that he speaks has such a small community that speaks it. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't have a single child or staff member who, who could speak his, his own language, you know, and that's been very, very challenging. The staff who have been supporting him have just been brilliant. How did you get you over know, that, he will never walk past. Um, usually, we will be, we've got 76 different languages spoken in our school across the staff and students. You know, mm-hmm. usually we can, we have someone who speaks, you know, a student's language. Sure. Um, with this particular little boy, what we had to do is get someone whose um, language and dialect was relatively close, enough for the basics to be understood. Um, and he's worked with some of our AIL coordinators, which is English as an additional language, um, you know, worked really closely with some staff on pronunciation, you know, the basics. And, you know, now he will, he will say to you, hello, miss, are you okay? Um, hello, miss, have you had a nice day? And, you know, that's, that's amazing. He's so confident um, developing his English. So it's, it's lovely to see. Brilliant. You know, he's safe now. He, he came from a, a war-torn country and mm. turned up in a secondary school in Wolverhampton. Yeah, it's, it's madness. Yeah, but, you couldn't yeah, write it, could you? It's, it's you know, it's no. regretfully a sad sign of the times. Uh, what are your professional plans for the future then, Jade? The um, role that I'm, I'm currently doing now, actually, is, is incredibly rewarding um, and is part of the COVID catch-up fund, actually, at the minute. So it's, you know, supporting students throughout the academy who um, may have gaps or have fallen slightly behind uh, because of the, the, the pandemic um so for at least the next year or so i know i'm going to be doing what i'm doing now mm. um and after that i haven't actually thought that that far in advance yet uh but the, the possibilities within the school system are endless um you know there are roles that people don't even know exist no so, that's right and i think um, you know as you say that the world's your oyster really in the sense take each academic yeah. year as it comes and then the, the opportunities will present themselves and you can decide what you do for there but do you see yourself doing this you know this is your job for life now would you say i think working in in schools would be yeah mm. um you know working working with in one capacity or another um within schools i, I quite like the the sort of scope of, you know, I'm doing something totally different now to, to what I was doing last year, which was totally different to the year before. Um, I think part of that, though, is, is the, the actual group that I did, you know, as I said, Teach First, give you this leadership programme mm. as well. So you develop the skills to, to go on into leadership and go on into other roles. Um, so, you know, I think, the like I say, the scope for roles within schools is huge. So... Who knows what will, what will happen Absolutely. next? <laughs> who knows what, what random role I'll be doing next? For, for somebody who's considering being a teacher, what should be their first step? Where could you signpost my listener to? Um, I think I think my my best advice, um, you know, if if you wanted to take a, a, the, the route that I took, would be to to firstly, you know, have a look at the have a look at the Teach First mission statement. Is that what you want? You know, are those values of 
of knowing that you are possibly going to work in a more challenging school because you are in a deprived area and often the two are synonymous. Mm -hmm. You know, is that something where you want to put your skills? Is that the challenge that you want? Do you want to work with the students who can be potentially at times, you know, the most challenging for their own reasons? Um, because if it is, you know, the, the route that I did is, is perfect. Or perhaps, you know, that that's maybe not for everyone. You know, possibly they do want to go to university and, and, and do it that way. But I think the hands-on approach to teaching gives you a very, very good stead to, to continue and succeed. Um, you know, I think it, it just eradicates that fear quite early on instead of allowing it to build up. Yeah, absolutely. Jade, well, we wish you the very, very best of luck for a long and happy uh, and favourable career in teaching. Jade Smedley-Boff, thank you very much for talking to Friday Night Live. Thank you very much. That is your lot for this episode. You can catch the programme live every Friday night on Black Country Radio from 8pm. If you like our podcast, please subscribe by heading to blackcountryradio.co.uk forward slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts from. See you very soon. This is a Black Country Radio podcast, presented by Clive Payne and produced by Andy Caddick.